Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, those of you here in the room, those of you joining us online, we're glad you're with us as well. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. I don't know about you, but uh, today's already been a day. Uh, there's already been stuff that's like, whew, okay. And uh, maybe you feel that way too. Uh, if that's the case, I am, I'm very glad uh, for that little greeting we just exchanged, to know that the Lord is here with us, that when we gather together, uh, that God meets us in, uh, in an interesting, unusual way, speaks to our hearts, gives us the comfort, the peace, the encouragement that we need. Uh, so let's bow our heads and let's pray to him as we begin the service today. God, we are grateful for your presence here with us. We pray that you help us to be aware of you, <laughs> you inviting us into this time, you uh, having something you want to say to us, you wanting to give us the grace and strength that we need, uh, wanting to heal some hurts, wanting to give some peace in place of anxiety, wanting to comfort us in some grief. God, you are with us and you love us and you know exactly what we carry into this time and place. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to put on a happy face uh, or a somber face. We can just be ourselves today, God. We can be honest with you and with each other. And we can look forward to the ways that your love is going to impact our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for inviting us to center our hearts and our thoughts, our energies, our attention, to center ourselves on you today. At least for this next hour, God. Help us to focus in on you, to truly meet with you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, for those of you in the room, at least, if you'd like to stand, uh, let's sing as we begin. Sunday, and uh, today we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the, uh, the scriptures, God has uh, symbolized his spirit with uh, the dove, and so this song kind of touches on that. Sends down his love 
Gospel of John, uh, chapter 16, verses 12 through 14. The words of Jesus. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Speak. 
a psalm for this morning. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exalt in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given, you children of his servant Abraham, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones. Pray with me, will you? Lord, we do proclaim your greatness this morning. On this Pentecost Sunday, as we commemorate and we remember the day that your Holy Spirit first fell on the, the, those that were gathered in the upper room, Lord, there in Jerusalem. Lord, we, we once again wonder at that, that happening, that incident, that, 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 that overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask and, and we, we implore you this morning, Lord, that you would pour yourself out again today in this place and on these people, those who are here in this room, those who will join us later, those who join us online, Father. Pour your Holy Spirit out on us like you did at Pentecost, that first Pentecost Sunday, Lord. And Lord, we will continue to proclaim your good deeds even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of evil that we see going on around us, Lord, your goodness has not failed. Your goodness has not ended. You are still doing great and mighty things. For that we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the blessing and all the praise. Lord, be with the, this service. Be with Rich as he brings the message. We so anticipate, Lord, hearing from you. We can't wait to hear the words that you have given him to share with us so that with that, Lord, we can, we can take that from here and go into our, our jobs, into our homes, into our, our, into our families and in, in, in amongst our friends and our neighbors, Lord, to all the places that you're going to send us and take that message, the message of hope, the message of your goodness, the message of your greatness to people who have no other hope but you. Lord, again, we thank you. We praise you, even in the midst of the yucky things that have happened this week, the tragic things, the bad things, Lord. We still give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise and all the thanks. And we do this in your precious and mighty name. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Now, feel free to um, pass the peace amongst yourselves um, as you're comfortable leaving your tables or your seats. And um, we'll do that for a couple of minutes while Pastor Rich comes to bring announcements in the message. All right. It's uh... It's good to get to connect with those of you here in the room, and we'd love to connect with those of you who are joining us online, too. Uh, if, if you could go to livinghope.info slash connect and fill out that little digital connect card, uh, we would love to know that you're with us today. Or uh, just leave us a comment if you're on YouTube or on Facebook, wherever it is that you're connecting with us. Uh, leave us a comment or something. Let us know you're with us. But that little connect card gives you a chance to, uh, to share a way we can be praying for you or thanking God with you or anything like that. And of course, all, all of you in the room, too, you can pull out your smartphones and do that. Or there's some little green cards back there by the offering box. You can jot us a note. If you'd rather use a pen than your phone and uh, let us know, um, maybe you've got a question, maybe you've got some feedback, anything like that. And, uh, and obviously just drop that in the offering box before you go and that way it'll get to me and I can follow up with you this week. And if you're giving today, you can drop that in the box as well or you can go online, livinghope.info slash give. You can give right there. Uh, you can continue to give to support the, the work in Ukraine or work in other parts of the world as well through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, ncm.org. Uh, if you want updates, you can go to that link uh, or... Uh, if you just go to ncm.org, you can get updates on all sorts of things that are going on, ways that uh, the, the Nazarene, Church of the Nazarene network that we're a part of is at work in all sorts of different places helping meet needs. Um, there are a bunch of different things happening uh, this week. Uh, one of those, um, well, like before we get to that, that little slide that's on there, um, one of those, you know, we've been doing these bike giveaways occasionally. Uh, well, not us. We partner with the uh, International Oddfellows chapter, the local one. And, uh, and they've been giving bikes away once a month in a parking lot. 
last month the weather uh, rained them out, and they've got like a backlog of bikes. And so uh, Greg Sims just texted me yesterday and was like, could we do like a, an extra giveaway like next, this coming Saturday in addition to the planned one on the 18th? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Go for it. So, uh, so this coming Saturday, June 11th, there'll be a bike giveaway out here. And then again, June 18th, they'll do a bike giveaway. So if you have friends that, uh, that need a bike, uh, especially if it's kids, because apparently they've got a lot of kids' bikes to give away, or if you have a bike that you know, your kids or grandkids have outgrown and you want to donate it, or just or adult bikes too, they give away adult bikes, um, you can drop those off any of these next two Saturdays right out here in the parking lot, or you can show up yourself. And then um, Sunday, not next Sunday, but the one after that, I think it's Father's Day, and then also that day, um, Howard here has got some guys, they're going to put together breakfast in between the services. I, somebody earlier was like, oh, I'm excited about that, because uh, we haven't done this, I think, since COVID hit, right? So this used to be just a regular thing that we would do frequently, like all through the summer, once a month, we'd have this breakfast between the services, and then uh, uh, also, I think usually, what, like one midwinter or something, they would just get bored and feed us breakfast. So uh, if you, if you want to be here that day, you're here at nine, so it's not a problem for you. You're just like, oh, hey, I can smell. They're, they're warming stuff up. They're heating stuff up. Yeah, I'm going to stick around for breakfast. It's the folks that come at 1030 and the folks that are uh, watching online right now that really need to mark their calendars because uh, you don't want to show up that day at 1030 and the food's all put away and you can still smell it and you're a little hungry and you're like, oh man, good grief. I forgot to put, do that. So on the 19th, we're going to have a little breakfast in between the services um, and we hope that you'll be here for that. All right, before we dive into this morning's message, uh, there's a little video from the Bible Project about the Holy Spirit that I want us to watch together. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place, but then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but what is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. <sighs> so you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply. That, too, is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes, and the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's Spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. The story is saying that God's Spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's Spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
And soon after that, the Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving Spirit. Yeah, it's an amazing thing that uh, God gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit, his personal presence at work in the world. And uh, that is what we're celebrating today on Pentecost Sunday, is that, uh, that God didn't just kind of keep himself to himself, but that he showed up on the scene. From the very beginning of creation, as we just saw, God's Spirit has been at work in the world. And sometimes through prophets, sometimes through uh, people with special skills, you know, God is pouring out his personal presence, enabling people to do amazing things. And now, he's kind of opened that up to all of us. Uh, we've been in this uh, series since, oh, just after Easter, uh, where the Church of the Nazarene throughout USA and Canada has been invited to pray, uh, to pray for God to direct us, to protect us, to reveal himself to us, and, uh, and to, to guide us into our future uh, here in North America as, uh, and here in our community as we look for ways to reach out with God's love to our neighbors, as, as uh, they, try, they want to resource us with the things that, um, that we need in order to, to love well. And, uh, and so as, we've been, as I've been thinking about these kinds of prayers down through the ages, I, I was thinking about Pentecost, I was thinking about the, the promise of God's Holy Spirit and how people had been praying for this and anticipating this and waiting for this for quite some time. Uh, God's people had been looking forward to the day when God would do this. This is the, the gift of God's Spirit is like this huge answer to prayer. And, and it's one of the ways that God uh, answers all these prayers that we've been praying for these last several weeks for his protection and direction and, and revelation. If you want to know, if you ever have a moment where you feel like God is present with you, if you ever have one of those moments where you feel like God is speaking to you, uh, where he is comforting you, where you, you see that, you know, double rainbow or something, and, you know, the, or the butterfly comes and, and lands right there in front of you, or you have one of these moments, you're reading scripture and, and it seems like it's just speaking right to you. If you ever have one of those moments, an awareness of God's presence with you, that is the Holy Spirit right there, reaching out, touching you, the personal presence of God there in your life. Uh, there's a moment back in the Old Testament story um, where the, the idea of God being present with his people was kind of uh, brought into question. It, it was threatened. The idea that God could stay with his people. Uh, you might remember uh, that uh, God's people found themselves enslaved in Egypt. And we've got this book of the Bible, Exodus, that's all about God sending Moses, God coming down to rescue them and sending Moses, working through Moses and his brother Aaron to do all kinds of miracles there in Egypt uh, until finally Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is willing to, to let my people go and to, to let the people of Israel go and leave. And then he changes his mind and chases them down, but God does the whole thing with the Red Sea and, and washes all the Egyptians away. And Anyway, Eventually, he gets them to the mountain of God out in the wilderness, and God comes down on this mountain. There's, there's the top of the mountain's covered with smoke, and it's like a storm and thunder, and the people are terrified because God is showing up on the scene, and nobody wants to get too close. But Moses is willing to go climb the mountain and to go talk to God and meet with God and receive from God his commands, and, and the people all agree that, like, okay, God, we will be your people. We will follow your commands. Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, getting all these laws, and he comes down the mountain, and the people have already, like, in the, in the 40 days, I think, that he's up there, the people have all said, like, hey, we think God might have killed Moses. So uh, let's, uh, they go to his brother and, like, can you make us an, an idol? Can you make us a, a calf? Can you make us something that we can bow down, something we can see, something we can touch? Because that whole storm on the mountain thing is kind of freaking us out. Can you give us, like, something we're used to, something more, like, tangible and something that is, you know, that we could control and carry, up, carry around and pick up and... and uh, and we'll let that be our God. And sure enough, that's what they do. Aaron agrees. They make this golden calf, and they're having some kind of crazy party when Moses comes down the mountain and's like, guys, it's like the first two commandments. Don't have any other gods. Don't make any idols. And you're already breaking those. And, and he breaks the tablets, and there's a whole big to-do. And uh, because the people have already rebelled against God, 
they have this moment. Uh, Moses talks to God, and we see this in Exodus chapter 33. I put it here in your notes, and I think we'll have it up on the screen. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I'll give it to your descendants. He's like, I'm going to make good on my promise. I'll make sure you guys get in the land. I'll send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, all the people that live there now. He said, I'll send an angel. They'll, they'll drive them out. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. God's like saying, for your own safety, I don't think we can, I can be close right now. Um, you guys go on ahead, but I'm not going because... You're ticking me off. You know, it's, it's one, of those, one of those moments that uh, those of you who are parents of small children you know, can understand. I'm, I'm so much more understanding now than I was before we had uh, our boys, uh, David and Jonathan. There, there are moments where it's like, okay, boys, you, you have your time out over there. Daddy needs to calm down over here. You know? um, and it's kind of one of those moments, it seems like, in the story of the people of Israel. God saying, I can't go with you. You're, you're too disobedient, you're too stubborn, that's the stiff-necked, it's like stubborn, you won't let me direct you, you know, you, you're just set on your own way and doing things the way you want to do them, and hmm, that's not gonna, that is not gonna work, so I'm not going with you. And Moses uh, pleads with God, basically, and I had to cut some of it out just for space, but Moses pleads with God, and, and the part I did include, Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? We'll just be like anybody else claiming that, oh, yeah, there's a God who, uh, who sent us out here. And where's your God? Well, you know. He says, if, if you won't go with us, we're not, we're not going. And so the Lord agrees to go with them. He says to Moses, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you. I know you by name. He kind of says, okay, Moses, I'm, I'm trusting you. <laughs> and, uh, okay, I, I will, I'll go. I'll let my presence go with you. Now, the way that was visualized for them and had been up until this moment and continued to be after this was God's presence was seen by uh, this pillar of cloud or fire. At night, it was like glowing like a pillar of fire. In the day, it was like a pillar of smoke or cloud and was this visual symbol of God's presence with them. Again, not, not, not some little statue that they could, like, pick up or put an outfit on or, you know, take with them, but this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire that uh, um, I'm just imagining, you know, like, you know, not some little dinky little flame, you know, it's like this is a big thing that they could see throughout the whole camp, and, and when it was time to move, that pillar would, like, rise up and start to move, and people were like, oh, it's time to go, you know, pack up, pack up the stuff, get your things, where God is on the move, and we got to follow him, we got to keep up, he's leading us, and that's how God led them through the wilderness and to the promised land. His presence was visualized by this fire, by this smoke. That's right after this is, are these verses we looked at last week about God revealing himself uh, to Moses and to his people through Moses, where the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, with Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. So God still is just, and for those who are crying out for justice, God assures them, don't worry, justice is coming. But for those who turn to him, he forgives. Just like he forgives his people and goes with his people, he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love faithfulness. So God, there's this question, will God be with his people or not? Will God be able to put up with these dirty, rotten sinners who keep disobeying God? And if, and if you've read the story of the people of Israel, if you've made your way through the book of Exodus and then Numbers gets a little more, wait, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, really challenging. Numbers is still pretty challenging, but kind of retells some of the similar stories as what, what Exodus told in the Deuteronomy. If you've made your way through those stories or through the rest of the Old Testament, you know that the people of Israel time and time again turned from God. And time and time again, there was this question of, can a holy God and these rebellious people, can they stay in the same space together? And in this moment, God says, you go ahead, I'm staying here. Uh, in other moments, God allows his people to be defeated by their enemies and hauled off into exile. And the idea is that, like, a similar thing, you guys go over there, I'm staying here. 
until you recognize you know, what it takes to live with a holy God, until you are ready for this, I, I don't think this relationship is going gonna, is gonna to work. And so the question of God's presence with his people, um, it's never a question of God's faithfulness, but it's a question of ours. <laughs> it, it's this question of, are, are we going to be able to, to live safely with uh, this God who is holy? Or are we going to continue to endanger ourselves by finding ourselves at cross purposes with this holy God whose presence is among us? Now, that presence was symbolized uh, in the Old Testament. You know, this, uh, as I mentioned, it was this cloud, this uh, pillar of cloud or fire. And where that pillar kind of rested was on this tabernacle, this tent, this holy tent that they'd set up. It's kind of a movable temple. Uh, so as they made their way through the wilderness, they could kind of take their temple with them. Once they settled in the land, eventually um, they end up building an, a physical temple, a building there where God says his presence will be and his presence will remain there in Jerusalem, in the capital city of Israel, which is why it's so troubling for them when they do get hauled off into exile, when they are conquered by other nations, because they are far away from the place that they know God's presence can be found. God is present with them at this tabernacle, this place of meeting, in this temple. Now, an interesting thing happens um, as we continue making our way through the Old Testament. There's, there's a promise, you know, that it won't just be every now and then that God's Spirit will be found. It won't just be in one spot that God's presence will be known. Uh, it won't just be this prophet at this time or that prophet at that time or this leader that gets God's spirit. But, but someday they're, they're looking forward as they're living through all these cycles of disappointment and separation and, and repentance and coming back to God. As they're living through exile, God, through the prophets, including this prophet Ezekiel, God promises them that it won't always be like this. All right. And he tells them in Ezekiel chapter 36, I will take you out of the nations. I'll gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, this hard-hearted you know, heart that won't listen to God, won't respond to God. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of, of flesh, a heart that's tender and responsive. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. They're looking forward to a day. Ezekiel mentions this. Jeremiah mentions this. Other prophets mention this, this time that's coming where God will make a new covenant, a new agreement where the relationship will change and it will no longer be, you know, us struggling to maintain the, the relationship by whether or not we can obey the commands or not. God says, look, you've got this rebellious spirit. You've got this re hard heart. I'll fix that. I'll change you from the inside out. I'll put my spirit in you to move you to obey me, to move you to do what I call you to do, to be my people, and I will be your God. It's right after this, in the very next chapter of Ezekiel, uh, didn't have room for all this in the notes, but if you read Ezekiel 37, some of you have heard this story about uh, Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones. Any, any of you heard that story? There's a song about that too, about these dry bones and how they're connected. Uh, God takes Ezekiel to this valley filled with dry bones. There's a battlefield that's long enough after the battle that the bodies that were left lying there have all been picked clean, and all that's left is the bones. And he asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's like, well, only you know, God. And God says, well, yeah, they can. I'll, I'll put my spirit in them. I'll bring them. And, and the bones come together, and then God, and then flesh puts on them, but they're still just there, like corpses, I guess, you know, but, but whole again. And then God breathes, there's a wind, God breathes his breath into them, and they come alive and stand up an army. And God says to Ezekiel, this is, I'm giving you this picture, this picture of, of my people, People of Israel are lying dead, scattered, but I can restore, I can revive, I can fill you with my spirit and make you alive again. It's an amazing image that God gives the prophet uh, of his spirit, filling his people and giving them life, making them new. Now, an interesting thing happens when we get to the New Testament. Suddenly, here's this man named Jesus walking around. As we just watched on the video, you know, he's, he's baptized and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove and a voice from heaven is saying, this is my son, my love, whom I'm well pleased. 
this Jesus walks and moves and does things that would only be possible if God's Holy Spirit is with him. And people begin to recognize him as this anointed one, this Messiah, this one on whom God's Spirit rests that they had been waiting for. They'd been waiting for an anointed king, a new king to lead uh, his people into this new relationship with God and with the world. And as the, the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as they tell the story of Jesus, John in particular picks up on this theme, but in like a subtle way, um, where um, I think it was last week, maybe, that we were talking, yeah, last week we were talking about how Jesus reveals to us God in a way that no, none of the prophets did. Um, and John chapter 1 were some of the verses that we looked at. And there's, there's in the middle of that intro, in, in verse 14, um, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And some have pointed out that the original language there is translated dwelling is, is like that word for tabernacle, that he has tabernacled among us. He has, he has dwelt among us it's like, oh, so now it's like Jesus is the place where God's presence is found. Jesus is the, is the, is the place where God is, is present to us. His spirit is in our midst here in Jesus. And as we just saw in that video, through Jesus' life and ministry, we see the Holy Spirit at work in amazing ways. God present with his people and after Jesus dies on the cross for our sins and rises again, conquering sin and death, he's, um, he promises to his disciples that, look, you're going to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. It's actually in the lead up to his arrest and his crucifixion in John chapter 14, as he's talking with his disciples, that uh, Jesus says, look, I'm not going to leave you orphans. You know, I'll, I'll come to you in the person of this advocate, this Holy Spirit that will be given to you. He says, it's, it's good for you that I'm going away. <laughs> if I go away, then, then the Holy Spirit can, can come. I can come to you and be present with you. God can be present to you in a way that is different, is in some ways better than when God was in one place in one person of Jesus. He says, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit on all of you. It's something that was promised uh, again, through the prophets. And, and we read this when we get to Acts, um, the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the next book in our New Testament is Acts. It's the part two of Luke's gospel. And, uh, and he starts it out talking about how Jesus meets with his disciples after the resurrection, before he ascends into heaven and leaves. He, he tells them, look, soon you'll receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit's going to empower you to do the work. And we read in Acts chapter 2, this is what I put here in your notes, and I, I wish I could put all of Acts chapter 2 in here, and I just didn't have room. Um, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, it said Pentecost is a Jewish holiday, means 50 days after, after Passover, so about 50 days after Jesus died on the cross and, and rose again. Uh, Acts says he was, Jesus was with them after his resurrection for about 40 days before he ascended into heaven. So now they've, they've been waiting now for, for 10 days since then, not knowing for sure when this gift is going to be given. But it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. That wind, that breath, that ruach, that, that wind of God. The blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They began speaking languages they'd not, they'd not learned. And we'll see in just a minute how God uses that. But I just want to pause for a second and look at those images, right? There's the sound of wind. There's the visual of the flames on each of them. And um, later in the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about us being like the temple, God's temple here and now. That there was a, a temple in Jerusalem where the people knew, yep, that's where God's presence is. And, and at the tabernacle through the wilderness, they could, they could see that presence by a, a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud during the day. And now here we have this image of God's people trusting Jesus, waiting for this gift that, that the Father had promised. And suddenly now God's presence, the presence of God's Spirit visualized as, as a flame over each one of their heads, almost like a whole bunch of little candles, you know, but... God's Spirit present, resting on each one of them. Them living now as the place where God's presence can be found in the world, as the temple, little temples of God running around. The Holy Spirit is poured out on all of them, and they begin to speak these other languages. Uh, part that I had to skip, uh, if, you, if you've read this story before, if you're familiar with it, um, it says, uh, now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. 
They were in town for the Passover. They would stay through Pentecost. I didn't have this on the screens or in your notes, unfortunately, but I, I can read this part to you. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And they list all these different countries that people are from uh, as they're gathered together here in Jerusalem for this. From, it's basically from all over kind of the Mediterranean world there, uh, from as far away as Rome. And they said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. It's almost like uh, I kind of imagine the crowd gathering uh, because they hear this wind and they hear this you know, shouting or the singing or whatever it is. And I kind of imagine that like, as they're standing there, one of them's like, oh, wait a second, that, that, guy's, that guy's speaking my language. You know, they, could, they could all speak a common language. That's why they were able to be there in Jerusalem and worship together and all of that. But they also all knew the languages you know, from the lands they grew up in, the lands they were from, right? Have you ever been someplace where you don't speak the majority language? like where everyone else speaks Spanish or everyone else speaks French or everyone else speaks whatever, whatever the other language is. Have you ever been in one of those situations? And then, and I, I don't know about you, but it uh, doesn't matter. I, I don't know any other language well enough to just be comfortable there. You know, like I might know enough that I can kind of catch a little snippets or I can ask where the bathroom is, or, you know, all those important things. But, uh, you know, if you're in one of those situations and then you hear someone speaking your language, it stands out. <laughs> you're like, oh, English speaker, English speaker, please, can you help me? I don't know how to ask for this thing or I don't know how to, you know, whatever it might be. And you, you notice that. And I'm kind of picturing that happening for the crowd that's gathered there. Like, they're noticing, like, well, wait a second, who's speaking? And they, they look up there, there's somebody up there, somebody in that group of, of people up there uh, is speaking my language. I, no, I think it's that dude with the blue on the, you know, I think he's speaking my language. And, and the guy next to him is like, really? Because I, I hear somebody speaking my language. I, I'm looking, I think it's the bald guy right up there. I think he's the one that's speaking my language. I can see his lips moving, and it, I think he's the one speaking my language. And, and then somebody that's, you know, over behind him is like, you, you're kidding me. Because one of those guys is speaking my language. And they're all like comparing notes in the crowd. You know, like it's, the murmur is growing through the crowd and people are re- recognizing like something's going on here. And we can tell from the way they're all dressed, the way they all look. These guys are all from, from Galilee, which is like not the most educated part of Israel. And like, how is it that this group of Galileans is speaking all of our languages from where we're from? What is going on here? What does this mean? It says, somehow we made fun of them and said, ah, they've had too much wine. Yeah, <laughs> just, just a bunch of drunk people just making noise, you know. Um, and then it says, Peter stood up with the 11. I put this in your notes. I was able to come back to it here. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes another one of the prophets. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. He's saying, look, this isn't any longer. This is Joel, God speaking through a prophet, generations earlier, saying, when the time comes, in these last days, then I'll pour my spirit on all people. It won't just be for this prophet here, that prophet there. It won't just be in, in one spot or in this other spot, but I'll pour my spirit on all people. Young, old, men, women, this, this will be open to everyone. I'll teach them. I'll reveal myself to them you know, through visions, through dreams. They'll prophesy, which is this reference to what the prophets did of, of seeing things from God's perspective and, and helping others to understand things from God's perspective. He says, I'll show wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. These are images that were common in the prophets for upheaval. Like the world is being turned upside down. He says, this is going to happen before the coming of of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He says this is going to be open to everyone. When God shows up, when he's turning things upside down, or or right side up, I guess, because things are already kind of upside down, right? Uh, He says when God makes things right again, it's going to be open to everyone, this gift of God's Holy Spirit, God's personal presence with you. This is the promise that's made. And this is the, the, this is the, these are the prayers that are answered on that Pentecost day. 
Now, he, he continues. Um, and I, I just want to read some of this to you. I want you to hear what he says to them. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then he quotes some things that David said in the Psalms talking about, about this. He says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently, the patriarch David died and was buried. His tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. And then I put this in your notes again, starting in verse 32. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. He says, God showed up in Jesus. You killed him. (laughs) But God raised him from death and has exalted him. And now Jesus has poured out this promised Holy Spirit. So just a couple of verses later, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, or Christ, anointed one. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Remember, God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God's not looking for a chance to condemn you. God's looking for a chance to forgive you. So repent and be baptized and your sins will be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Which some translations, English translations there, just go ahead and say, for all who are far off. They say that for all the Gentiles, for all the non-Jews. This is like already we're starting to see this thing is is not going to be contained. God's Holy Spirit's not just going to stay in our little box. He's going to reach out to people all over the world, for, for all whom the Lord our God will call. I had to stop there in your notes, but I, let me just continue the next, the next few verses. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. This is the promise that God makes. And the, the, these are the prayers that God answers on that, on that Pentecost day. Um, it was no, there's no longer a question of how is God going to live with these sinful people? Is God's presence going to be known among his people? God, God says, you know what? The only way for this problem to be dealt with is for your sins to be forgiven, for you to be changed from the inside out. And so he sends his son Jesus to take our sin, to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. To, and conquers sin and death and the devil by his death and resurrection. The power of sin is broken, and we are all set free. Forgiveness is made available to each and every one of us. So we are invited, just like the people that Peter's talked to on that day, we are invited to repent, to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, you guys, repent is just like, okay, make a change, turn away. Uh, he was able to, to say to them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. He's like, like you're, you're in a fire, you need to get out. God, and God is here, he is rescuing. You just need to trust him. You just need to take the way of escape that he's provided. You need, to, you need to let him pull you out of this fire. You need to let him save you from this corrupt generation. But he can say, save yourselves, because there's, there's something we have to do. We have to let him save us, right? We have to trust in him. We have to repent. To acknowledge to God, God, you are right. I've been, I've been stiff-necked. I've been doing things my own way. As soon as you give me a command, I look for a way to break it. And we, I've been just like those Israelites back in the wilderness. I've been just like Adam and Eve back in the garden. You, you provide everything for them and just one thing's off limits. And that's, that's what I gravitate toward and that's what I do. And, and now I've, 
been hiding from you, God, just like Adam and Eve hid in the garden. I've been afraid of you, God, just like the people of Israel were afraid at that mountain. And God says, look, I I know. (laughs) That's why I've come in Jesus Christ. That's why I came to you. That's why I have taken care of this for you so that those sins can be forgiven, so that you can come out of hiding, so that you can be yourself, be honest with me. I already know the way you've screwed up. <laughs> I love you anyway. I already know the ways that, um, that you've been broken. I'm, I'm here to heal you. I already know those, those things that have had you trapped. I, I'm here to set you free. He just invites us to, to turn to him, to turn away from sin, and to turn toward him, and then to be baptized is this symbol of that. This, this way of getting wet. And some of you have been baptized right here. I've had the chance in the big old metal trough to, to baptize some of you uh, right there, dunk you under the water and raise you back up or, or pour water over your heads or, or uh, got to baptize some, our own kids and other kids by sprinkling water on the forest. We don't do like the, you know there are churches, Eastern Orthodox churches, where they dunk the babies under the water too. That's, that's kind of fun if you watch YouTube videos of that. Um, anyway, we don't usually do that here. We just sprinkle a little water on their heads. But, uh, but when people turn to Christ, you know, uh, we, we continue the, the practice of the church from the earliest times of, of being baptized to, to symbolize I'm dying to an old way of life and I'm rising to a new life with Christ. I'm letting his Holy Spirit be poured out on me and wash me clean from my sins. There's a past life that I'm saying no to and there's a future life with God that I'm saying yes to. And he says when we do this, God gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit, his personal presence in our lives to to, to direct us, to protect us. He reveals himself to us through the Holy Spirit. All the things we've been praying about these, these last several weeks. And there's no longer a question of, will God remain with his people? God is, no, yes, I am here. I am with you. I'm alive in you. I'm going to, as, as he said through Ezekiel, I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land, this good land I promised you. You'll enjoy the promises. You'll be my people, and I will be your God. The people of Israel have been looking forward to that day and praying for that for a long time. That maybe it's been a while, too, for you that you've been praying, God, please, I, I need a change. I need, I need the ability, the, the power uh, to, to live a different life. Today that invitation is open. Today that offer is made for us to to grab hold of and to say yes to. Say, okay, God, I I need that in my life. So we're going to pray and we're going to celebrate communion together and we're going to trust that God really can do this by his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, today we, we say thank you for your amazing love for us. Man, we can see ourselves reflected in the stories of Scripture especially in the stories of those who were stiff-necked, disobedient, rebelled against you. God, we, when we're honest, we, we admit that this has been us. We have, we have tried doing life our own way, and we continue to break things. We continue to make a mess of things. We continue to bring death where you would like to see life. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. Thank you for revealing yourself as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You revealed yourself that way to Moses, to to your people, and through your son Jesus. God, we see this compassion, this grace, this love displayed. We see it lived out. We see you dealing with our sin problem once and for all. We see you setting us free. And today, by your Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts and to our minds right here, right now, you are calling us to yourself. You are inviting us into a life that that is (laughs) life-giving, into a life that reflects your compassion and your grace to the world around us. You invite us to be transformed from the inside out, to have a new heart, to be motivated in different ways by your Holy Spirit, moved to live lives of love for you and love for our neighbors. Thank you, God. Thank you. And yeah, it it still can be a challenge. Yes, we still have to cooperate with you. We still have to follow the lead of your Holy Spirit. 
But now we have this new energy, this new ability that we didn't have before to live a life pleasing to you because it's your spirit that moves us to do it. You are present with us. You do not leave us as orphans. Jesus, you, you give us your spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving your life for us and giving your life to us. Help us, God. Help us to live by your Holy Spirit, to keep in step with your Spirit as you lead us through this life, to be open to your transforming work as you make us into this beautiful people of love. Thank you for giving us the gift of this sacrament of communion where we offer to you gifts of bread and juice. And and we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence here, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body, in his blood. That we might meet you in a tangible, touchable, tasteable way. That we might recognize your presence in our lives as the bread and the juice enter into our bodies. That we might be aware that the life of God lives in us. Lord Jesus, with your disciples, you broke bread and gave it to them and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. You gave them the cup, said, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. So we do that today. We remember you and we recognize your presence here among us. We offer you ourselves and we pray that by your transforming work of your Holy Spirit that we might be changed from the inside out, that we might live a new way here in the world. Not because we are able to do it, but because we have said yes to you, because we have trusted you. Help us today to turn from our sin and to receive from you the grace and the mercy that we need. To receive from you the gift of your Holy Spirit to lead us through this life in a life that each and every day looks more and more like Jesus. Oh, we're so grateful, God. Thank you. We pray this confident in your love, excited about the life that you have for us. We can't wait to see the changes that you bring. We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, The spell bars are going to come and and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion. Uh, I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. We've got the regular bread and the gluten-free wafers, and we've got the little, the little individual cups, if you'd rather take one of those with you and, uh, and use that back at your seat. Or if you just really don't want to get so close to people to, to join us uh, up here, you can, you can grab one of those off your tables, and you can celebrate right there, peel it back, and get to the bread and get to the juice as we sing. But this, is, this is open to all of us. We're saying yes to Jesus today. Open to all of us who are, who are hungry for his grace, who are thirsty for his love, uh, who recognize our need of him. So let's celebrate. Let's give thanks.
Thank you again, God, for giving all of yourself to us in your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for holding nothing back, but giving all of yourself to us in the gift of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit so that as we leave this place, we can be your temple. We can be your presence in the world. We can be your hands and your feet, your sons and your daughters, extending your love and your grace to the people you send us to, being instruments of your peace, being givers of grace. Thank you, God. Thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I almost forgot. I just want to tell you real quick, if you didn't get a chance to hear uh, Josh and Shannon Herndon, our missionaries from, uh, they, I got to hear them earlier this week, they shared some amazing stories from their time in Romania and the things God is doing there. You can still catch them this morning at 1030 at South Lake Church of the Nazarene, just down Highway 30. Uh, Pastor Judy's actually there. She's going to be introducing them this morning. And uh, so you'll see some familiar faces and you get to hear some amazing stories and you still have time to get there even. So, uh, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.